This episode of Ain't That Swell Live is brought to you by Billabong and the True Grit Tour, which is kicking off this weekend, Sunday, April 2nd at the Torquay Pub with Joel, Parco, Parco's nose, Parkinson, Mason Ho, and Cop This Swellians, the scullet-wielding, cone-wrangling, bronze-cast Irukandji, her madman, Owen Wright. I cannot believe the Big O is giving all us Swellians the chance to toast his career on a magic Sunday Arvo as he prepares to pull on the Wazrashi for a final time in the hopes of winning that elusive bell. And don't think for a second he can't do it. This is the man who scored two perfect tens in huge conequential orbs at Cloudbreak, who skewered the goat to win 300k in New York, and who spent more time getting sprayed in the back of the gaff by the feared great white seacock of Chopu to win the comp at the end of the road in 2019. It's going to be an epic Arvo. Please come down and toast the great skullet wielder Owen Wright with us. It'll be fun to have Parco and Mason Ho on the panel as well. Mason, first-time guest, and it's just going to be a hell Arvo. Tickets are still on sale at theswellians.com. Don't leave it too late. And the True Grit Tour is also heading to Perth for a city show and then down to... Margaret River, guest to be announced for those, but get your tickets now to avoid disappointment. Today we're going to revisit last year's Torquay show. I cannot believe this is only a year ago. Mick Fanning, Griff Colapinto, Morgan Siblick, Blibli, India Robinson and Tully Wiley. And a little guest drop in by Emperor Eric Logan for a bit of biffo with the three-time world champ. Another epic arvo, so fun. But up the bong, always support Nate that's well. So stoked to have you on board. And Swillians... See you Sunday, me and Smithy cannot wait to see us. Sunday Arvo, Torquay Hotel, get your tickets now, see you there. Up the bong. Destroy the Empire! Now, get your skank on, Swellians! The big dance is about to begin. Please welcome to the stage, the Dons of Degeneracy! I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm just thinking about having won the world title and, and hopefully trying to win another one someday. You just drop in, just smack the whoop, drop down, say bah. Well, I'll tell you, Stu, I did battle with some humongous waves. Oh, that's the table Oh, that looks good, Not bad. Ain't that swell with Jen and Vaughn. Oh, those guys are back! <laughs> Get a haircut. Yes, shredheads, waxheads, kooks and barnies. Welcome to Ain't That Swell, the radio show dedicated to cutting fucking sick. sick. 
live here from the Torquay Hotel Vaughan on the eve of the Bell's Beach Easter Classic. Are you kidding me? Not kidding at all, Smithy. Great to be here at the Torquay Pub again. Good to see such a full room. Who's pumped for Bell's? It's been four years since we've had the Ding Dong. So pumped. So many good memories here, Smithy. Uh, you know, I think back to trips down here over the years and magic things I've seen or been a part of. There was the Mick and Kelly, you know, final that year. Uh, unbelievable. Probably one of the best we've ever seen. Uh, Oki's performances in the bowl. Steph Gilmore, Carissa Moore, Courtney Conlog. And uh, that time I passed Lane Beachley at the media night. That was a fucking beauty as well. <laughs> Claiming it. What about you, mate? Oh, man. I mean, uh, so many great memories. I've already told that story about the time I chased the cougar with boltons into Barker's Wolfpack lair. Oh, I, I, I told that one. Yeah, uh, maybe. I think I told that one. I was fucking, mate, tell you, this peacock was lucky to escape with his feathers that night. That was wild. <laughs> but, uh, mate, I don't know. My memories of this joint, they're, they're mostly synonymous with the great Mick Fanning. Uh, the most winningest or the equal most winningest Bells Beach Classic champion in history. Uh, the three-time world champion. And, mate, I've got to say, like, uh, you know, he's got the wild card this year. But for me, the last few months of his life and our lives up there in the Northern Rivers, uh, decimated by floods. And, mate, I'm just running out of superlatives to describe the man with. Because mm. uh, it's just been like a titanic effort on his behalf, on the whole community's behalf. And, uh, mate, it's been some straight-up... Biblical shit. Like, I am convinced in 500 years' time, when we're all living in boats moored off Uluru, they'll be telling stories. Uh, they'll be teaching the children stories of the miracles performed by the great Saint Mick from Penrith. And, uh, <laughs> mate, uh, you know, it's just been incredible, uh, you know, from saving lives on jet skis to, uh, you know, coordinating donations, uh, you know, paying out of his own pocket for building supplies and jip rock for povo battlers, paying for, uh, you know, relief drops in helicopters to stranded communities, shoveling shit, ripping out satellites, moving satellites, texting it, fucking old mate Elon, mate, what are you doing, you dog? Get onto it. (laughs) We need some fucking help. Uh, so, yeah, incredible. And, uh, you know, not to be outdone, of course, we've got some other big-name guests. The great Morgan... Fuck it. Morgs, mate. Morg. Morg Borg. You know, just... Uh, whenever I think of Morgs, I really think about the first time we met Morgs properly, which was back there in his native Newcastle uh, at an ATS live gig. You know, we hadn't surfed a single heat on the world tour, but there he was getting chaired up to stage... Mm. By two of his mates and his dad clasping two six packs of VB covered in his own spittle. And I remember turning to Yvonne and just going, I don't know who this cunt is, but uh, I like his style. And you said to me, uh, if memory serves me, mate, that's uh, Australian surfing's next great hope, uh, Morgan. And uh, I just thought, by God, we're entering a golden age. And uh, a golden age it was. Morgs from unheralded rookie to rookie of the year. And a top five trestle showdown. Let's give it up for Morgs. Morgs, 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 Morgs. Griffin Cole Pinto, another icon. San Clemente's absolute finest. And I had a very similar similar kind of memory of hearing his name for the first time. My mate going, you know. Watch this Colapinto, he's giving it a shake. And I remember just going, man, I don't know what cocktail that is, but I'll have two of them. <laughs> um, yeah, and the Loke Dogs worn. 
can't forget them. India Robinson, there is a, a, a word, a, a fort, fucking oath, give it up for India. <laughs> there is a four letter word that ends in T that we use a lot on this program. Does anyone know what it is? It's grit, grit, and she's full of it. Brushed off two head knocks, uh, serious concussions to get a clutch result at Halle Eva. Had to sit out the Pipe Masters, uh, which would have taken some real guts just to have to, to sit on the sidelines for that. And she's backed it up with some mental performances. Uh, and she's sitting, you know, pretty, pretty, heading into uh, the Bells' hometown event. So I'm, I'm expecting her to do some damage. And Tully Wiley, the wizard. That's right, mate. Bell specialist. He done the job. He brought it home. And we're going to get these guys up in a second. But, mate... Should we just get our first guest up here and kick this thing in the guts? Why? Well, you know why. Because he's that fucking good. That's why. He's Fennec. Come on, guys. He's, he's that, that fucking, fucking good. good. You know the words. He's Big Fennec. He's that fucking good. He won three world titles with a hammy on a screw. Beat Kelly and Beer Eldrick, beer out of a shoe. He's a fair Aussie. The legend has a crack if a great one comes at him. He'll punch it in the back. He's Big Fanny. He's that fucking good. Get on up here. Whoa, mate, what's been going on in your world? Uh, flood world, mate. Shoveling shit with the rest of us, hey? Yeah, it's been a, uh, it's been a wild month up, uh, up home. And, um, yeah, just uh, like any good Aussie, just trying to help out where I can. And, um, yeah, just trying to get some people back on their feet so they can, uh, yeah, get back to living again. Mate, uh can you give the people an idea of, of what it looked like? Because you were one of the first responders along with, uh, you know, uh, to be honest, like the elite surfers from the zone really stood up. They were on the very pointy end of saving people's lives. I reckon the death toll would have been fucking, who knows, man, could have stretched into over 100 if you guys weren't onto it, dropping your skis in the water and uh, racing the safety. But, yeah, can you just tell us some of the things that you saw? Um, yeah, look, I guess how it all started, um, you know, we had so lost his corn. Uh, Not the first time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, how, how it started was um, yeah, we, we just got so much rain. I was dealing with some stuff at home uh, around my place, and then Parker just sent us a message going, "I've just so, I've just saved like." Uh, about 10, 10 to 15 different people, cats, dogs, just pulling people out of houses. Uh, and then I spoke to him early the next morning and he didn't get home until 10.30 at night. Um, some people were giving up and they, they're like, you know, I, I, I'm just going to stay with my car and go under with my car. And, um, yeah, so it sort of started the next morning. We went down and I went down with uh, Troy Brooks and uh, Brooko's son, uh, Jali and and we first came through to Chindra, which is sort of just near Fingal, and um, it's the south side of the, the Tweed River, just opposite Cooley and, and yeah. And we were driving through a caravan, and we're in line with um, you know the the guttering and stuff like that. And we could just smell gas, thinking gas bottles are going to blow, 
Um, so it was it was pretty hectic. And then as you just started going down the river, it just got worse and worse. And it was, yeah, we were we were driving around on highways, um, like on skis. I I had sort of give you an idea. I was driving over this one spot all day, and then by the afternoon. I found an aerial of a car just poking out by that much. It was just, just people just stuck, really. Um, and then the next day down in Mwollombar, Mwollombar was just like a war zone. Um, it was, yeah, it was people just throwing out their lives. It was really, really sad. And I guess that's the, the immediate, you know, first day or two of the tragedy but it's unfolded since then, uh, and it's you know I guess it's kind of a new thing for all of us, right? Like living up there, we, we have floods and that, but nothing on this scale. And the scale is actually pretty hard to wrap your head around when you you're not there. You know what I mean? Like if you're looking at photos on the news and shit, like it's uh it's pretty hard to tell. So what we're kind of grappling with now is just the long road back. Like it's a long, long road back. And a lot of the people, one thing I learned uh, during the floods is that. You know, a lot of the time, low-lying equals low socioeconomic. So, like, a lot of the, the poorest areas were the hardest hit and these people are the least equipped to rebuild financially. Um, you know, but they, fuck, they got character and grit and spirit, don't they? 100%, yeah. Like, you, you talk about the, the lowest, um, some low socioeconomic people. Um, you know, in these areas, their uh, home insurance for floods is 36 grand a year. Like, who's got to spare 36 grand a year to, to throw out, uh, you know, something that might happen? Um, Reggae Ellis does, actually. Oh, yeah. Just over there. Uh, I'll, I'll hit him up later for some donations. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it's really sad um, just, to, just to, to see all that and to sort of give you a bit of a scope, it, it was like... 200 k's, you know, from one end to the other, and then probably like another 150 k's west. So, like, you can imagine that vast of an area just totally underwater. And we're not talking like one house; we're talking town after town after town just wiped out. It was, um, yeah, extremely heavy and extremely sad. And um, yeah, a lot of people need some help up there. I, I just uh, can't help but picture. You know, I remember when Josh Kerr broke his leg in Hawaii, got hit by a car and was passed out on the side of the road in the gutter. And when he came to, he looked up and Kelly Slater's head was hovering above him and he, he just went, fuck, have I died? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> and uh, Kelly was there to, to pick him up. Did you have any crew sort of like, you know, open their doors and see you and just go, what the fuck's going on here? <laughs> Mick Fanning, where's Dingo? Is he going to drop in on me? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> Hundred percent. Oh, am I going to get cooked in my own house? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you find it like you know? I mean, when you're doing a day like that, one of the thing that Lennox boys were telling me was the the danger and the sadness and the devastation was real, but the community and the fucking sense of humour and the goodwill was what kept everyone going and what gave you hope to just go to that next house and keep going did you sense that like there were, were there times where you were going fuck this is mind-boggling what's going on here yeah look you you walk into houses and they're just you know that much mud through the whole house and you walk in you're like how do you help and the 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 people that are there they're like i don't even know where to start and we're just like well, all right well, let's just start here um i guess you just i, I think that's as I was talking before about the true Aussie spirit, people just really digging down and, and really helping each other out. Uh, 
it was oh, it, like the strength of some people. Um, but, you know, I, I'm still in contact with a, a few different people and you ring them some days and they're good and other days you just get them on the phone and they're just in tears and they're like, I, I don't know if I can go another day or whatever and you just got to sort of talk them off that cliff and, and just make sure that they're, they're still with us because they've got families, they've got lives to live and, um, yeah, so it, it's been a huge community support. I guess even, like, from my end, like... I got to go home to a dry house and after a week I totally, my, my body just crashed and I cried, um, luckily I had Brie there um, and I cried all day and just, yeah, it just I haven't cried like that for a long, long time. Mm, at least you let it out and didn't just lose it at a couple of groms sliding down a fucking muddy tracker. <laughs> each to their own, each to their own. A big shout out to uh, the, the local mob down here. The, I think it was was it the Torquay board riders or the uh, <laughs> the Mad Jan Juckians or maybe both of them. They had a they had a fundraiser down here to raise money for the floods, which I just thought was an exceptional show of solidarity. Because I know Vaughn that you know when bad things happen in other states, I'm the first person to laugh and say, "I hope you get the lot, your mats." But uh, so that was incredible. And that's actually, uh, that, that banner there, Eat, Pray, Cone, is actually a, a sheet that was uh, taken from some wreckage near Wardell. So if you, you want to get a taste uh, of what we've been going through up there, you know, just go up and give it a sniff, uh, give it a lick, rub it under <laughs> your arms. Uh, you probably get e-, e-, e. coli or gastro or something from it. But, uh, mate, it's, uh, yeah, it's been fucking wild. And your credit to, the people are a credit to themselves. And, and Mick, mate, fucking thanks for everything you did. Legend. Oh, mate, Good I- Radio. Oh, it's all about rookies, isn't it, Vaughn? It's about the rookies. We're going to pull them up. But before we do, I just want to give a big shout-out to Billabong. They've been our major sponsor for uh, Ain't That Swell Live. I cannot believe that they've been backing us for so long, uh, considering some of the shows we've done. Gary Elkerton, anyone listen to that one? Jesus. <laughs> uh, Creed McTaggart at the first one. Anyone? Anyone? Wow. Crikey. I thought they were going to pull the plug and we'd never be seen again, Smithy. Mm. Uh, but Billabong, uh, they're proud supporters of the Children of the Corn Tour. And we couldn't do the live shows without them, so thanks very much. Get your graphene weddies if you haven't already. They're awesome. Strapper Surf Torquay, one of the big supporters as well here tonight. So thanks very much, guys. Cora Surf Shop here in Surf City. And uh, Custom Footwear as well, who have been with us since day dot, the official footwear of the Swellians. Rightio, Smithy. Let's talk rookies. Uh, Mick, we've got one coming up here, or a couple actually. Uh, we've got a, a rookie of the year on the way, and we've got one of the, the great breakthrough rookies in Griffin coming up also. Mate, let's go back to your rookie year, uh, 20 years ago. Uh, you know, surfing, pro surfing, the World Tour was a very different place back then. Can you give us an idea of, of how you felt as a Grom coming onto the World Tour? Um, you know, some of the heavy hitters, some of the big energy, like how intimidating it was uh, and, and what you did to kind of survive it. Um, yeah, I guess my, my rookie year, talking, you know, talking about the heavy hitters, um, it was like the who's who. Sonny Garcia, Oki, Luke Egan. Um, oh, there was there was Mate, coming up against Sonny as a as a, as a spindly terrifying. little Goldie Grom. <laughs> terrifying. Wow, terrifying. <laughs> you know, I, I was telling the story the other day. Like my first ever wild card heat, man on man heat, was against Sonny, and 
And I was so scared. I thought he was the scariest man on earth. And um, it was back in the day where you had to do priority buoys and paddle around them and stuff like that. You just sat about 50 metres wide and just were like... It's all no, good, just I, would, I would wait until he paddled out and got back to the lineup so I didn't have to come face to face with him. <laughs> uh, even though I knew I could have out-paddled him, but I was just too scared of him. <laughs> I wanted to know, um, when the Momentum Generation came along, uh, they had... Massive beef, not just for uh, the fact that they were the new young kids, but their style of surfing didn't resonate with, you know, your pots, your Kongs, uh, TVCs and all that crew, you know, and they copped a hard time. Um, did you have any of that? Did you, did you have those guys kind of breaking you guys down? Because I know that you were both wild cards and you were making finals against them and beating them. And, they, you know, Ross Williams against Parco, for example, had never even won a CT and here's this 19-year-old monobrow with a huge nose from the Goldie. <laughs> Uh, taking him out. So, I mean, did you cop, like, some of that sort of big brother stuff from those guys? Um, yes and no. I guess we sort of got swooped under the wings. Um, you know, guys like Louis, guys like uh, Mick Lowe, Bo Emerton. Um, you know, those just took us straight under the wing and just sort of showed us where the best parties were around the world. Um, <laughs> but it was... Yeah, I guess we were sort of... I don't know, we... We, we paid our respects and, um, you know, what happens in a heat happens in a heat. Um, and, yeah, you just try and beat them. Like, you know, you get to surf against a hero. I remember my first ever heat against Kelly. I went away at Chopu that I would never go any other day, but just because he was there, I was like, I want to fucking beat him. Uh, so I swung and got the scariest three-point ride of my life. <laughs> And in terms of the big challenges that rookies face, like what are they? What you know? The, I guess the head noise would be just deafening. The uh, the self doubt, self criticism. If you get one bad result, um, yeah. What are some of the big challenges? I think it's um, schedules and timing. Um, you know, you on when you're on the QS, it's just day after day, just bang, 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 and you build a rhythm. Um, where on the CT, you might have one heat, and then a week later, you'll have another one. A lot happens to a surfer's body and brain in in uh in a week and and that was the biggest thing for me in my first few years was just learning how to be able to switch on and off and um yeah not outburn myself but um yeah just not get too excited too early and you yeah. finish no, i was just gonna say you, i mean you, you mastered it really very quickly uh similar to morgues finished fifth in your rookie year, uh, you know, can you remember uh, Parker as well, running up to Andy Irons that year? Uh, I mean, that's, that's quite remarkable. First year on tour, getting results that quickly. How did things change for you after the rookie year into the sophomore year, which can, again, be like a, a real trap? Yeah, it can be. Um, you know, the, the first year was, you know, it's all big-eyed. I remember my first four results, I just got um, pretty much second round. Loss, 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 um, and lost the people that I guess because I didn't feel like they were my favourite surfers, I shouldn't have lost to them. And you learn real quick that everyone on that tour is there for a reason. Uh, they are wily competitors. They are incredible surfers. And um, so it was, a, it was a good look in the mirror where you had to go, okay, you got to pull up your socks here. And um, but then once you start learning the game and and learning. Um, what to do at the right times. Um, it's sort of, you've just got to be on your A game all the time. Um, for me, I always just tried to beat Parker and Dingo. That was my biggest thing. And 
um, yeah, second year they're in, it's you um, always just you have so many thoughts. Oh, I should be doing better. I should be doing better there. And then the pressure builds up. Uh, things things mean a lot more because you've been there for a year. You're not you you're not expected to have a shit year. You have to do well. Um, so it was. It, it does build, and it, it can be tough. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I'm interested to know Third too. Is different. <laughs> Just to pick your brain quickly, like you mentioned, uh, you know, Naughty, Louis Egan, Ock, uh, you know, there was a, a kind of really strong Aussie contingent on tour at the time, um, a very patriotic Aussie contingent. You know, what was that like? How strong was that camaraderie and that kind of brotherhood at that time? And, and how important was it for a rookie to have that? Oh, it was extremely uh, strong. I guess uh, when you've got Hedgie at the forefront of it as well, uh, he, he got on the year before me and... He would just deck himself out in Australian colours and he would be there screaming his head off for every single heat. Uh, so, yeah, he sort of brought that all together and, um, yeah, it was awesome. You know, you, you went out in a heat and you knew you had 10 of your mates backing you on the beach and screaming for you um, before we had crowds at surfing. And as your career wore on, did that energy dissipate in terms of, like, the, the camaraderie and, and the, I mean... Patriotism. Uh, it's like it seems like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It kind of faded a bit, and, and now it's back. That's a, an outsider's take on it, but I don't know. I think it. I think it changed in this in the sense that um, you know back then everyone used to travel together. Everyone used to be in the same cars or same houses, and then as more money started coming into um, into surfing or, you know, started getting more contracts, you could afford to have your own place and your own car. Um, but, no, I think, you know, th throughout my career, if one of the boys won, there's always someone there to cheer him up the beach and, and that was the beauty of it. I, I loved last year seeing all the Aussies come together and, and really get, dive in and, um, you know, especially the Olympics, the Irukandjis and, and then it started just going through the, the QS and uh, everyone and everyone, it's, uh, you guys make that up or? <laughs> so I, I, was, I was proud. Well, let's get a rookie up here, right? Oath, I mean, she was one of the absolute stars of that. Patriotic resurgence. Uh, yeah, let's get her up here. Actually, we're getting two up at the same time. A couple of local hopes. And now, direct from the Tiger Dome, our next two guests are the first legitimate hope for a local hometown bell ringer since Adam Robbo took a hatchet to the top 44 and carved his way to the finals back in 2009. One is a rookie on the CT, a lead foot power queen with a frontside laceration that sends more buckets than Geelong KFC. The other is a born and bred talky pup stalwart who has won more free cartons, a promotional fizz seltzer than DJ Fisher crowds have necked crook gorgs. Please make them welcome, India Robertson and Tully Wiley.
reckon, folks? Can they go all the way? Can they be the first? Lagos to beat that rugby bell! Oh, dizzy at the thought of it. Welcome to Ain't That Swell, India. Real pleasure to have you here. Welcome, Tal. Wow. Well, what a journey you've been on the last... Uh... Come on, me. Be careful with the golden corn, mate. Mate, you're dropping your corn everywhere. <laughs> yeah, give us a little bit of a, a rundown in, in sort of the last... <laughs> you got a seat there, mate? Guardian of the corn. Mick Fanning, everyone. Guardian of the corn. Um, the last 12 months of your life, I mean, you, you've, it's just like dream come true after dream come true. Uh, take us a little bit through your campaign last year, especially through Europe on the Challenger Series. That was incredible. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, last year was lots of events. I was away for three months straight, um, but I was lucky to have a really great crew with me. Us Aussies stuck together. Um, like Mick said, it's kind of come back to, yeah, that Aussie storm, which is really cool. Um, yeah, it was three straight months of back-to-back -back competitions and um, towards the end there, um, I felt the pressure, but it kind of helped me in a way. I just let my surfing do the talking and um, now I'm on tour. <laughs> Mansell, yeah, you come up with a really clutch result there at Haliva, and that was on the back of two serious head injuries, uh, a couple concussions. We didn't hear too much about it and I still don't know the full story. What actually happened there and, uh, you know, what sort of an imprint did that leave on you? Yeah, um, it was really unfortunate. My nose of my board just clocked me in the temple actually both times that happened um it was windy and yeah my board got me in the right spot but <laughs> um yeah Be better the nose of your board than parko's nose that's all <laughs> i can say should be dead <laughs> old nostril damas um yeah but Head injuries take a while to recover from and I had two pretty close together. So, um, yeah, the recovery was a bit longer than I'd hoped for and um, it's one of those things you kind of deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, it's ongoing and, yeah, I'm just trying to learn more and more about it as I go. It's far from the ideal preparation heading into the North Shore leg of the Challenger Series and World Tour. Uh, you know, a wave like Halle Eva, it's not a super soft wave. Um, you know, but, yeah, you come up with such a strong result. Was it... Yeah, how difficult was it to get yourself up for that performance given the less than ideal preparation? Yeah, um, that was my first time to Hawaii. So I had my head injury really early on in the trip and I was out of the water for three weeks. And um, about three days before the Haleiwa contest started, I got the all clear to go for a quick surf and um, had to wear my helmet all the time. And um, yeah, I guess after that, I had to minimise my time in the water. So then when it did come time to heats, I was just like frothing to surf, honestly. And that wave suited my surfing. So I kind of trusted in um, the lineups. I got off my coach over there. Um, yeah, trusted my boards and it all worked out. <laughs> wow. And you, and you put it in and you got the result. That is fucking pretty Man, sick, mate. how it wild is it. that? That's yeah, that was awesome. A, it was a, awesome, Smithy. It's a fucking wild story. Mate, I loved it. Uh, what about, um, just before we go into your CT life so far, um, what we were talking about for that camaraderie that, that Mick really enjoyed watching, um, it was the first time really that I've seen the men's and women's tours just fully pull together as one unit and really start supporting each other. Did it make much of a difference to your confidence and your headspace surfing in that Challenger Series, having every single person, whether it was a boy or a girl, come down and support? 
Yeah, I mean, it was like every Australian that was in Europe was on the beach, especially in that final for um, at the Roxy Pro and then for Connor after me. So um, I really felt the support through that event. And um, yeah, us Aussies are pretty unique and the Americans and stuff sometimes don't understand us. So um, when we're overseas, we like to spend as much time as we can together. It feels like a bit of home. Anyway, Eric Logan from the, from the uh, WSL is in the room just here. He was. I just wanted to check if he needed a translator because, like India just said, do we need translators so that all the Americans can figure out what we're saying? I don't think we need a translator. He's just going off to rinse his oh, corn. Oh, there he is. Is he rinsing his corn? Yes. He's just rinsing his corn. Never mind. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, there is something of a, a cultural disconnect, isn't there, Vaughan? Is there? Or, no, not at all. No. All right. So, um, well, that's really good. What about um, the pipe contest? It was a, a groundbreaking... Moment for women surfing, as we all know, of the first ever, you know, full-length pipe event there. But you had to make the decision to withdraw, and I, like, I thought it was fucking one of the most courageous decisions ever because you, you're sitting there, you love the juice, as we all know, but you know, as golden as that apple looked, you had to see the long game, and I thought that was just incredible maturity from you. How hard was that decision? It was really tricky. Um, there was a lot going on behind the scenes leading into Hawaii. Um, about a month prior, I was down here seeing neurophysios and neuropsychologists and stuff, just figuring out what to do next. Um, and a lot of them advised me not to go to Hawaii in general. <laughs> but um, I'm pretty stubborn, so I was like, oh, I'll go over. Maybe it'll get better. Um, and going into Pipe, I knew I was probably going to pull out from day dot. But it so happened that Steph got COVID and um, my team was like, oh, you could just kind of make a heat just by paddling out. So paddled out my helmet and um, <laughs> made a quick heat by not having to do too much. Savvy. Wow. That's wild. I didn't actually know that. That's so cool. And now uh, let's uh, bring it home. Uh, Bells Beach. You must have been dreaming of this day since you were just a tiny kid. Oh, yeah, it's been a long time coming. My dream before qualifying was to just be in the Rip Curl Pro and um, to surf around all my friends and family. So to finally have done it now um, and to be a part of the CT, um, yeah, it's really special. Are you feeling relaxed or are you feeling that pressure of uh, that hometown? You know, everyone in this room, they can barely sit in their seats. They're that fizzing for you. Uh, are you feeling anything or are you actually feeling relaxed as you head into this? Um, I think it's just excitement. Um, I'm just appreciating that this is a really big moment for me and, um, yeah, I'm just really, really excited and I get to surf my home wave with not too many people out and just enjoy it. Of course, there's a bit of hometown pressure, but they all want the best for me. So, yeah, I think they're just as excited as I am. Right, who wants to see you now? Bring the bell! Mate, we cannot wait to watch you surf in this event. Uh, forecast is sort of bouncing around, but it looks all right. I think uh, hopefully there'll be a bit of swell for you to bring that front side hack into the bowl. I uh, can't wait to see that. Righto. The wizard. The wizard of the Bells Bowl. Mate, uh, how did you get that nickname? Because I only know two possible answers. One is that you roll full-blown three-paper wizard hats. And... Uh, <laughs> The other is that you're some kind of magician in the bowl. Which is it? Uh, neither. Um, Adam Robert actually made it up when we were in Stratty. Uh, I was pretty young and I just had no idea what he's talking about. So it's just stuck from, from then on. So, yeah, I actually couldn't tell you. 
I thought it might be because his uh, foreskin was like a wizard sleeve. <laughs> Wide and loose. Uh, mate. Tully, uh, I, was, I was speaking to uh, Wallace earlier on, Caleb Warren, uh, from the Lips podcast, and he was saying that you're a bell specialist. He said, like, this guy, if he gets swell, he's, he's going to be a major threat. Um, what is it about the wave that suits you? I mean, I know you're a long-time local, born and bred, but what is it about the wave that just connects with you? Oh, I don't really know. I, I mean, growing up on just strictly rights, um, you just kind of groom yourself and you can just sort of... It just sort of, like, works with my surfing. Um, obviously, I'm pretty solid, so I can kind of handle myself when there's a bit of push. Um, and I don't know, I just, I just really enjoy surfing out there and it just all kind of works pretty naturally for me. Mate, when you, uh, when you surf in the trials, uh, a, a bit of a heavy statistic, folks. Not since Adam Robbo in 2009, I don't think a single trialist has made a heat. So, no pressure, mate. Uh, <laughs> If you don't make a heat, you just fall in with a long line of greats who have never done shit in the Rip Curl Pro. <laughs> but I think the opportunity is here for you to, to really, you know, break that hoodoo. Uh, but when you got that result in the trials, like I said, you know, that, that trials event, uh, it has had so many great local surfers go through it. It's a real feather in their cap to even make the Rip Curl Pro. What did it mean to you when you oh. came in? Yeah, everything, like, ever since I've pretty much started surfing, my dad's always just been like, you got to surf the bowl, you got to surf the bowl, like, I'd want to... soccer dad, eh? <laughs> Fuck, mate. It'd be too big for me, I'd be trying to go to Sparrows and Bird Rock, but, um, no, nah, just to win that, it's just a lifetime goal of mine, really, and to see some close mates last time Bells run um, to get in the comp, it was just so cool, it felt like I was almost in it as well. Um, but now to actually be in the comp, it's just like, I can't even really believe it. Like, it doesn't really feel real. Yeah, mate. So, Let's bring yeah. it. Give it to him. Give it to me, dogs. Mick, uh, you've been a wild card in this event. You've come through uh, without really earning your spot, just getting given a gift in the front row. And uh, you took it all the way. You won the comp. What advice have you got for these guys, especially, you know, as someone who I know that you've said surfing at Snapper, even the choice to end your career at home, you, you elected not to do that because of the energy that was around the place. What advice can you give these guys as they head into the, what's going to be the biggest comp of their lives so far? Oh, just, just enjoy it. Um, you know, you've got nothing to lose. You are the local heroes. You have the crowd behind you. But the other thing is that you've served a million more heats than any other person on tour except Kelly out the bowl. <laughs> So, yeah, just give it your all and, um, yeah, leave the worries on the beach and just go and have a ball. That's sick advice. All right, guys, we won't keep you because there could be heaps tomorrow. Ah, the corn! Guys, India Robinson and Tully Wiley, the great local hopes for the Rick Bell Pro. Oh, yes. Come back over here, Mick. Oh, and by the way, Tully's dad, Nicola, used to work with him. He's one of the biggest legends of all time. He's not a soccer dad at all. Or is he? Is he? He is. Oh, okay. Oh. Uh, righto. What's going on now, Smivy? 
Mate, let's get our next, uh, what, two guests? Get them both up? All right, let's get our next guest up. His uh, last and name is really now, hard. Our next guest went from being a second string Merriweather Board Riders Club nobody who earned his coin pulling beers at the local pub to coming within five heats of winning the world fucking title. A classic Aussie character with plenty of grunt and no shortage of front. He burst onto the scene with his own surf flick before getting on tour and serving up John John like he was nothing more than a punching bag with a hairy neck. He's done Australia proud and we'd like you to welcome him to the Talkie Pub tonight. Put your hands together for Morgan Morgborg. Yeah, we just operate on our own, own time, guys. Don't worry about you guys. Hey, uh, I just want to say before we get going that there hasn't really been much opportunity, Morgs, to fucking say thank you, mate. Thank you for what you did last year. As an Australian surf fan, uh, you know, we were riding every heat with you. Every single time that it looked like you were, had a mountain to climb, you just fucking climbed it. You didn't even climb it. You, like, did a fucking cartwheel over it. And... Uh, I just think we should all, in this room, give a huge round of applause to this guy for making that WSL finals day. And mate, what a year. Yeah, well, thanks. I'm, I'm pretty nervous being up here. It's a crazy crowd out there, so thanks everybody for coming down. And uh, yeah, thank, yeah, thanks guys. It was a it, it's crazy hard, year. It's, it's hard without the safety blanket, isn't it? Two six oh. packs of EB in each hand. <laughs> I know. Yeah, the safety blanket's gone. I mean, um, yeah, the bolt is there, but yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what to say anymore. I got no blanket. I'm bare. I'm naked. <laughs> Mate, talk. Just talk us through the year. Like, what do you? What are your fucking standout memories? It was such a wild run. I mean. You were an unheralded rookie, and then the next minute you're fucking surfing for a world title. But take us on the journey in between then. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, first, when COVID happened, I just went home back to Newey and, to be honest, uh, let my hair down a little too much. And then, uh, yeah, I just changed my attitude totally uh, after Pipe getting knocked to Gabby first round. Um, yeah, just changed my attitude and then uh, did a little bit of training and... Uh, yeah, went back to Newcastle where I, I spent a lot of time uh, surfing the Rocks Bowl there. So, yeah, that definitely helped. So hopefully the local crew here can uh, do something amazing there as well and just channel the local, the local energy because, yeah, I forgot one thing to say. Just everybody here is just trying to support you and, yeah, no matter what you do, they're just all psyched. <laughs> That's cool, man. How important was that year between qualifying or two, one or two years? One. Uh, I don't even remember anymore. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> How important was that time, though, where, you know, COVID hit? But for, for you, you had sort of come from nowhere to even qualify before you even got on tour. And I think that year, a lot of stuff happened. Uh, you and Mick got to surf a fair bit. The postcards from Morgs movie happened, which sort of elevated your profile a bit. And you. Vaughn, I was fucking yeah. highlight. What was it like working with Vaughn? What pearls of wisdom? What did you glean from the great man? Oh, yeah. 
He was just ripping every surf. He came out and showed us up, and some of the, the barrels he got at some of the locations were unbelievable. It was amazing to watch. I could see the nose sticking out the end, but yeah, it was just a good time. <laughs> I, I make the jokes around here, cunt. <laughs> hey, it was funny, though, because on the first trip of postcards from Morgs, I didn't have a board. And I walked up to Mick and I was like, hey, uh, you haven't got a spare board, do you, Mick? And, you know, Mick's gear is like fucking mint. Looks like Formula One race cars. And he goes, actually, I've got this fucking brand new twin fin that does shape me that you can ride. He goes, just please don't ding it. <laughs> and as I'm paddling out, I go to duck dive this wave and I just get fucking hammered. I'm not even out the back yet. And the rail saver just pulled straight through the rail and I got out the back. I'm like, hey, mate, uh... Hey, uh, and he's, he's, he looks at me and he goes, are you fucking joking? You're not even out the back yet. How'd you get a fucking dick? But back to you, Morgs. Uh, what, like, oh, actually, Mick, you know, that was your first opportunity to hang with Morgs as well, really. Uh, what did you make of him and his surfing and, and did you have much hope for him on the tour or did you think he was just going to get gobbled up and spat out? <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Um, the smoke machine's fucked. Um, yeah, look, I guess it's funny. I, I met Morgs when he was probably about 12 or 13. Um, I, I was going through, um, I was doing a Red Bull camp and, and, um, and yeah, did a day with the local kids there at Yamba and, and Morgs was, yeah, he was just all teeth. Um, <laughs> but... Then I could see, like, there was talent. He had really good technique and, uh, yeah, just you could just see a, a drive in him. And I didn't see him again until we did an Aussie camp. Um, I went down the HPC and um, he came up and reintroduced himself after, oh, 10 years or so. And, and, um, and then, yeah, sort of reconnected that way. And, and yeah, look, I guess from, from where he... When he qualified... And then to what he got to in a year, just the, the, the amazement of improvement in his surfing was incredible. You know, he sped it up, he put on some more weight, got some more power. Um, so I think that that COVID year was a blessing in disguise. Did you feel like that too, Morgs? Did you feel like that year was like basically a massive part of the, the cocktail that got you to where you did in 2021? Yeah, for sure. Um, I spent a lot of my time uh, surfing with Ryan and Craig Ando and... Uh, Jules was in Newey for a bit and Jacko Baker and we just had a good, really good uh, surf crew and I did a bunch of trips with Ryan and Ando and um, our mate Jack Taylor and um, just tried to film and go as big as I could and as hard as I could and try to uh, match it with those boys and yeah, before I knew it I just yeah had improved a bunch and gotten a, a lot bigger and stronger from uh, going to the pub a little bit and, uh, <laughs> and then um, yeah, then, then, then I pulled my finger out and lost some weight again. <laughs> And uh, now onto the world tour, man. Like, talk us through some of the really pivotal heats where uh, you know you kind of got over the nerves, the the self doubt. You know, where do the where do you feel like it really clicked for you and you got some momentum? Um, well, I don't know. I was feeling kind of all right the whole time. I, I feel like I've had nearly more nerves this year. Um, but yeah, definitely going into Newcastle once I um I was pretty. I, I obviously hurt my foot and um did a little hairline fracture and bruised it really bad. So I didn't really have any, any nerves. I just expected to get smoked. But um, the doc there gave me some magnificent painkillers and uh, <laughs> I came through strong. And, uh, yeah, but then after that I just uh, I felt, um, 
yeah, I just felt really confident and just being in Newcastle with all the local crew just supporting me so much. Um, yeah, I was super grateful for that and yeah, just changed my whole year around and changed my whole headspace and yeah, that's, that's where it led me. You beat John John twice, famously, uh, once at Newey, then uh, again down at Narrabeen. Golf clap. Uh, how do you find your relationship with him now? Does he go, oh, hey, John, John, how are you going? He's like, fuck off, mate, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? Fuck, no. He yeah, must be. He still doesn't know my name, I don't think. <laughs> oh, he knows, mate. He lies in bed at night going, that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he can't pronounce it still. Uh, no, no, he's, uh, uh, yeah, he always says hey, and he's, yeah, he's a real true champion. Um, after I... I beat him. Uh, uh, <laughs> 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 he, he, he did go out of his way and said that was a great heat. And um, yeah, I was, have so much respect for him. And yeah, he's just, yeah, he's a true champion. And yeah, gonna probably get a few more world titles. I've got to get stop him. I've got to get your take on this, Mick. Uh, you know, you say Morgs and Surfers improved. You knew, you knew he was kind of gonna hit that tour running. But were you, what were you thinking when you're watching heats and you're just seeing him go, you know, quarters, semis, fi final? Oh, it was incredible. Um, you know, you, you sort of... I think that was the thing with the, with the tour last year. It was, it was so all over the place. It was a, a beautiful rookie's year where um, the waves, the, the old veterans weren't used to the, the new waves that came through. Um, and, yeah, I guess everyone in Australia was just like, no, he's broken his foot, what's going on? Um, but then you put on that incredible performance at Newey. Uh, I want to know, there was so much talk from Newey down to Narrabeen and then going into that second heat with John. Like, what was the headspace going into that second heat? Because there was the, people were like oh i was just a fluke he's just a fluke of a kid it's not going to happen again like what was that headspace to get yourself right um i'm not sure i just uh the a two foot left hander seems to just click <laughs> click with me <laughs> uh yeah i kind of um grew up um around the Yamberwayne. my first ever waves were on a little left hander and i think just ever since then just having the confidence on that that type of wave and yeah, I just felt um, like we were, we were in a pretty even playing field seeing as uh, he, he's got so much experience in, in heats and then also the waves aren't uh, eight foot mark. He's right, perfect right-hander. So, yeah, it just it helped me a lot and it, it made me think that he was beatable. So, yeah, I just and also coming off a, a good result in Newcastle, I just had the confidence and I uh, knew that I had a, a lot of support and had so many messages. So... Yeah, I was feeling pretty good going into it, and I, I just wanted to beat him again. <laughs> That's it. And you surf so many big heats against so many big names, John just being one of them. Like, what were the big lessons you learned? Like, how, do you, how did you change as a person during that rookie year, do you think? Um, yeah, definitely. I don't know. I, th I think I matured a little bit, but I don't know. I just... <laughs> just uh, I'm just along for the ride, and... Uh, yeah, this year hasn't gone too, too well to plan, and um, I feel like I just... I felt like I'd be able to get the results a lot easier than, than I, like I did last year. But last, last year I just uh, was definitely attacking a lot more and I was surfing two win as I was speaking to Kale on uh, the Lit podcast about. Um, I was surfing two win and, and this year I've been surfing not to lose. So um, I feel like that's what's changed and I'm hopefully going to change it back here and ring the bell. <laughs> yeah! 
Fucking out. And that. Yeah. Fuck, man, confidence is a weird thing, isn't it? It's, I once read a quote, it's like this grift that you just rub on yourself. Like it, it's, it, we talked to Slater about it here, actually. Uh, we mentioned, you know, where did, where did he get the confidence from? And uh, to be able to constantly believe in himself in the pointy end of heats when he was needing a score. And he actually said, interestingly, a big part of his program was he journaled a lot. Like when he won close heats and, uh, you know, had really clutch performances, he wrote down exactly what transpired um, in a bit, I guess, to kind of bottle it up and capture the essence. But, yeah, man, confidence. I mean, you got any observations on confidence, man? It's, it's fucking key. I, I guess at this level, everyone surfs, you know... F- incredible and uh can win heats and win comps on any given day and uh, for me it always seems that confidence really is what separates the best from the losers yeah well obviously (laughs) if you're confident um yeah you're obviously going to win and last year as it showed like I i was feeling super confident and after a few losses um yeah not feeling too good but uh yeah i just feel like if you're surfing with confidence you're going to win like gabriel last year just he just every everywhere he's walking around. He just he's he's the best in the world. And even Idolo and those guys just 15 Red Bulls down, and he's just paddling out like he owns a joint. And um, and yeah, I feel like that that uh, shows in in his results and yeah, and, and in his free sales because he's taking the waves off me. How, how did you <laughs> how did you manifest confidence, mate, during your career, Mick? Because uh, you know uh, the consistency and and the level of achievement. It, it has to be because you know how to click into that gear when you need to. Yeah, confidence is huge. Um, you know, as you talk about, uh, you you might lose a couple of heats here and there, uh, but. When when I felt like my confidence was down, I'd just re- revert right to the basics and just concentrate on the smallest little things. And I always say to people, like, if you get the little things right, then the big things have an opportunity to come and happen. So, um, yeah, that was always my success or my key to success and getting that confidence. Like, even just a, a, a bottom turn or a cutback, if I did that well, then my confidence would slowly start building and, um, yeah... To, Go, keep building from there and yeah. then something big would happen then you'd think you're Italo. Yeah. yeah. Morgs, uh, mate, fucking your confidence is just fucking that far away, mate. It's going to come back. It's going to come back strong in this event. I know it is. I just want to know, like, how much has your life changed in these last two years? Because you went from pulling beers at the Prince, you know, pretty much second, second string at the Merriweather where the board riders couldn't get a start in their A-team. Next thing you're surfing for the world title... And uh, you're fucking skits famous, mate. Like, you're, you're a full-blown celeb. Like, on a scale of zero to skits famous cunt, how famous are you? Hey, he's... Well, can skits you walk famous down the cunt being Paul Fisher. <laughs> I'm probably a one compared to an old Fisher. Uh, has, have right, you had... he, was a, he was a one-star QE battler once as well. <laughs> yeah, I remember those days, have the you... old YouTube. No, has your life changed much in these past two years? Like, have you found that there's a different energy around sort of when you go down the beach and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, I definitely get a couple more waves now. But, uh, yeah, I know just making the tour is just such a big step. And, uh, yeah, you obviously get a lot more endorsements and sponsorships and just everything kind of feels like it's going your way because you're, you're at the top of your sport and, um, yeah, you go from working, washing dishes at the Prince to, yeah, looking at property and all that kind of stuff. So it's a crazy... <laughs> You've made it. You've made it, mate. Made it. 
you're looking at property in this country, you are minted. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I, reckon, uh, I reckon I can pinpoint the exact moment that you became famous, though. Hey? Yeah, do you ever see uh, Basic Instinct with... Uh, you ever, ever see that movie? I did. There was this little-known actress in it called Sharon Stone and she was in this scene where she... Can't you talk about grit, Vaughan? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I just remember there was a scene in Postcards from Morgues that uh, was pretty similar. And uh, <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon that was the moment just there, Morgues. I don't know if you can see the, the TV, but... <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, did, is that the moment? Is that for you when, when life changed? Yeah, exactly. That, yeah. Jeez, you, you don't mind a bit of floss there, mate. Yeah. How good's that? Even your tonsils were clean after you pulled your undies <laughs> up on that one. They were your undies, weren't they, Vorno? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, mate, look, uh, one last question before we get our next guest up, but I might just... That's a bit disturbing for me. Uh, I was actually that nervous doing that scene. I was getting... Pretty much naked in front of two grown men, just like <laughs> two, two, two oh, 50 no. year old men in the same room. And I creeps, was, I was 16, and they're making me take my pants off. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag oh. me too. Oh, I think it was a mistake. In, me three. <laughs> it's a mistake inviting Morgs up here, big time. I, uh, <laughs> mate, I've got to ask, and I've got to ask both of you guys, like. There's no Australian men in the top ten. There's no Australian women in the top five on the uh, world's ratings right now. What the fuck is going on, man? Straight. <laughs> fuck is going on? Mick like, might be making a comeback this year, eh? If you, I heard if you. Yeah, is that uh, what we're gonna do? Drag yeah. Mick out of retirement? Yeah, yeah, yeah we're gonna right? drag Mick out of retirement. I heard if you win it, yeah. if you win, What's, you're uh, requalified. Mick, put that shovel down. We need you. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? What, what's what's going on? We just need a bit more grit. Don't we? Fucking oath. Grit! <laughs> there's, there's plenty of grit. Uh, I think the Challenge series last year proved that, that grit is there. It's there in, in bulk. But, uh, you know, like, why aren't we getting the results? Why, why are we starting to see a bit of a trend in us sort of not getting in that zone? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think, on, honestly, um, myself and a bunch of the Aussie boys, we're, we're, I'm pretty much still a rookie. I haven't been to most of the locations on, on tour. And... Uh, yeah, well, I did pipe last year and then sunset. I've only been to Hawaii a, few, a handful of times and Portugal twice. So I think we're just all trying to find our feet still. And uh, But, yeah, we got a real good crew to get on, on tour at the moment and we've just all been getting together uh, recently and uh, getting the Irukandji sting on. And, yeah, <laughs> uh, no, it's been, a, it's been a real mental time and um, Owen's been there just, like, kind of leading the charge and getting us together and... We're just trying to change the theme to have a bit more camaraderie this year and um, getting behind each other and showing a bit of Aussie mongrel. So That's hopefully it, it changes. Mate. Stop looking at property and start sharing cars and <laughs> sleeping in board bags. Go back to the olden times. Yeah. Schlepping it. Been, you wait a bit. Maybe I've been saying that for ages. Get rid of the foam pit at the HPC and fill it full of fucking gravel. Grit! More grit! Is, hey. it a case, is it a case, Vaughan, that, you know, when your grit levels deplete to such an extent, it, it takes a while for the grit to rebuild and, you know, everything to just correct itself? I mean, where's all the grit been going? Have we been exporting it to China or something? Where's our grit? Don't know. Mick, where's the grit? Borrell's got a shortage of cement, don't they? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I really can't, can't pinpoint what's going on. Um, you know, we've got the best coaches, we've got the best setups that in the world. It's just sometimes shit just doesn't go your way. Um, so yeah, look, I, I we we have the talent, we have the 
you know, the, we've got the champions to go on and do that. And like, you know, for number five, rookie year, that, that's huge. Like, the, there's things there that can, you know, recycle and, and it only takes one heat, one close heat to uh, get that confidence. And, um, yeah, I think it's just more just about supporting these guys and just, you know, being there and cheering them on. Mm. We're going to be down there cheering them on. That's right. right. Well, and the swelling army is mounting up. But, uh, mate, is it, is it also, Vaughan, you know, it's hard to simulate poverty, isn't it? Like, uh, do we need to take a leaf out of Brazil's book and, I don't know, maybe a, a military dictatorship, uh, just like, let the arse fall out of the economy, you know, put people, you know, put some of these pro surfers back in the fucking shanty slum villages where they belong and get a couple of world titles. It's a sacrifice for the greater good. Get, get Morgs behind the bar for the rest of the night. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we're talking. Beautiful. All right. Well, uh, thanks for your insights there, boys. Uh, you're going to stick around, Morgs, are you? Yeah, I'll stick around. You're mates with Griff, aren't you? You're not going to start fucking throwing haymakers and turning it <laughs> in. I think he was all right when uh, India was saying that the Americans don't understand Aussie culture. Who <laughs> oh. knows? Oh, Swillians. We're all getting reamed. Big time by the cost of living at the moment. I got a coffee the other day, and it cost me eight reeking bucks. Eight bucks. And it was lukewarm. Dead set, I could have peeled the skin off my skull. I was that bummed about it. Thankfully, there are some crew out there who have got your back in these times when Aussies are doing it tough and every dollar counts. Right now, Circles Life Australia are offering the ultimate flexibility on mobile plans. That's plans for as low as five bucks, cheaper than a cup of coffee. Circles Life Australia are giving customers a genuine choice and will let you pay what you want for a mobile data plan. With no locking contracts, better prices, better technology, and no call centers. Oh, oh, don't get me started on those things. Now, you can pay what you want with Circles Life Australia. It honestly couldn't be easier to find a price that suits your circumstances. Visit circles.life forward slash au and switch your number over today. Get onto it, Swillians, and well and truly flip the bird to this rank system that is putting the heel on the back of our necks and pushing down, down into the ground. Get the power back and pay what you want at circles.life forward slash au. All right, let's get our next guest up here. And now, direct from the hometown that brought you noted surfing madmen, Christian Fletcher, Matt Archbold, Chris Ward and Dino and Dino, comes a cone-packing, high-flying, crust-eating wonderkind who's setting this year's tour on fire with a smile like a split watermelon. His recent win in the Portugal Pro saw him become the first Californian to win a CT since Bobby Tennis Tour Martinez in 2009. On a roll and ready to push for his place in the WSL Finals, make him welcome, Gryffindor, Colapinto! G'day, Griff. How are you, mate? 
Oh, mate, hey, congratulations on winning your first CT, brah! Yeah, brah! Chill! Well, man, I mean, that topic we were just on, you know a thing or two about that. Uh, Australia, you know, we've been waiting to sort of have a legitimate run at a world title until Morgs came along. Um, California as well, mate, has struggled to have CT victories in the last few years. Is that a pressure that you feel coming from a surf-mad nation like that and a surf-mad state? Um, I guess so, a little bit here and there. I never really thought about it that much. Uh, I know Kanoa won, I don't know, like two or three years ago he won a CT, and he's pretty much from Huntington Beach, which is right down pretty the road much. from me. So, yeah. I don't know, he kind of jumped ship, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, in the last, uh, the last male Californian to win an event prior to that was Bobby Martinez way back in 2009. Hey, mate, I just wonder, um, have you had a chance to call uh, Geordie Smith or Zhao Xianka or anyone who got those fucking monster drainers at Pipe and apologise for getting a 10 on a three-foot beachy? <laughs> no, I haven't. I, def I thought Zhao should have been a 10 for sure, so maybe I should. Only joking, mate. I mean, have a go at this thing. That was fucking honestly one of the most skittiest backside air revs I've ever seen, man. Worthy to get a 10 and sick to see another 10. What's going on there? Why were the judges feeling so stingy at the start of the year, do you think? Did you get to have a chat with them? Uh, I don't know, but houses. that photo there isn't my actual 10. That was from my first heat. It was after the horn, and I didn't get scored on that wave, but later on, I, I got the 10. Well, that one's pretty skits too, mate. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> fucking, you're the journo, Smithy. You should be doing this side of the job. Ah, fucking, <laughs> tell me about it, mate. Uh, no, I'm a comedian. Didn't you hear that last clanger, mate? <laughs> but, uh, mate, after winning that event, um, you shared an incredibly raw journal entry. We're talking about Slater's uh, journal, and, and you shared one. Um, and I don't know if everyone's had the chance to read it, but I wouldn't mind reading it now if that's cool view, because I thought it was a sick share, man. It was a really good insight into what it's like at the pointy end. Uh, let me just Is that cool? my phone. Is that cool? Do it. Uh, sorry, one sec. Dick pic. Dick pick. Dog turd, monstrous dog turd. Dick pick with dog turd. Uh, so here we go, yeah, journal entry. Portugal feels. Uh, I've had mixed feelings about this contest. At first, I think I'm going to do good. Then when I'm in the water, I feel like a little kid not knowing my place. It's been hard trying my different equipment. Not quite sure what I'm going to ride in the contest. I've also noticed myself having bad self-talk and mind movies of myself losing in the contest. My surfing feels inconsistent. I may be making this trip feel too much about the contest when the funnest things are away from it that I do with our crew and friends. I will make the fun stuff in between what I'm here for. The contest can be a bonus. Uh, I think about being back on the challenge, Challenger series and what other people will think of me. The bottom line is I determine my happiness, not what other people think. Uh, my pursuit for my world title is a game I'm playing with myself to see what I'm capable of. Yeah. And, and you shared that after taking out uh, that Portugal event. And, um, yeah, man, like, how did you turn it around? Like, what's your secret? I mean, that, that, that's a pretty dark place. Uh, and, mate, credit to you for being honest about it. But, yeah, what was, what was the secret to kind of turning it around? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I think it was just writing it down and just getting that out of my head and just being proud of myself for realizing that that's what 
I was going through and noticing that stuff. And, uh, and then it's like, it kind of, you write it down and then it just like all goes away and you're back to square one, like fresh start. And, uh, and then after I wrote that down, I had like a really good session. And then from there, just the ball kept rolling. Yeah, you write down really different stuff to what I write down in my journal after a sleepless <laughs> night. Fuck, why did I say that? Oh, what was that joke that Smithy told? I still don't get it. <laughs> but Mick and Morgs, uh, just on that, you know, the head noise, man. Like, is there a way to quiet it? Like, I agree, writing it down is, is huge. It, it seems to really... It actually, like, shows how small it can be in a way, too. Because when it's just doing laps in your head, it feels so big. But when you get it out on paper, you're like, oh, okay, there it is. What, what sort of uh, little tricks did you use when um, the mind started getting screamy? Yeah, I, I was a big journalist. Um, huh. No, no. <laughs> never, nothing ever got printed. But, uh, yeah, look, I was always, um, always writing down, always, uh, you know, getting thoughts out. And, and I was a really big goal setter. Um, so I was always writing goals down. Um, but also, too, I, I learned a trick from uh, a sports psych guy just to be able to breathe and just watch my thoughts and, and sit there and just see where they end up and, and just sort of realise that they are nothing. Um, just some of the weird shit I did. Uh, but, yeah, it, it helped me, especially in those times. Like, so many times you rock up to an event and you're just like, oh, no, I'm, I just feel like absolute crap, board's crap, everything's going wrong. And then, yeah, as, as Griff said, one quick surf can just change that around and the confidence level just goes through the roof and you're doing airs like that. Well, I was never doing airs, but... Yeah, that's like 101 meditation, watching your thoughts, d detaching emotion from your thoughts. I know you're big into meditation, Griff. Like, uh, can you talk us a bit about that journey? Like, when and, and why did you get into it? Uh, I just started when I was about 16 or 17. I just learned from uh, some mentors I had and I got really fascinated in the power of the mind and so I just wanted to dig deeper into that and read books about it and just try it out and so I learned some techniques and yeah but I think just that one Mick was talking about where you can watch your thoughts that's probably step one right there if you can get good at that then it's kind of like sky's the limit after. And when you were in the dark times, uh, was, was the meditation helping at that point? You know, that journal entry, obviously, it, it says to me that the, the thoughts were almost starting to, to get to you. Um, but was the meditation key to digging you out of that trench? Yeah, for sure. I was, uh, yeah, I, I was having, like, really bad sleeps over there in Portugal. I'd be waking up at, like, 2 a.m., 1 a.m. every day. And, yeah, I wrote a lot of that stuff when I was, like, in the middle of the night. And so... Uh, th that's when I was doing my meditations and I don't know, it was different because usually I do it at like 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. but those ones where I was doing them at like 2 a.m. and uh, it felt like a different experience. I mean, mastering the mind, like as we've discussed at length already on this program, it, it's, it's integral to success in any field, uh, particular sport. Like, but there's been so many different approaches to it over the years. I mean, you look at someone like... Andy, for example, like, you know, a raw character, raw talent, raw emotion. Um, you know, what were your observations of, like, what, how did he keep it together, Mick, despite, you know, I, I imagine, like, not a whole lot of meditation going on. And, and his, his mental state, you must have had some uh, insights into that. 
Uh, Andy was a different beast. Um, you know, he he was like seriously like a light switch. He would put on a wet shirt and it was just like boom. He was just on all money. Um, but yeah, there were some definitely some dark times where you know he would get real low and but I think in that, in those dark times. It's just mates that bring you out of it, um, you know, talking to your mates and making sure that you check in on your mates. That's That's been, that's the biggest thing. And especially when these guys are on tour, like even though they're competing against each other and um, they're, you, you're like a travelling family. Um, even guys from WSL checking in on you. So it's, um, yeah, it, it is a travelling family. It's just checking in and making sure you don't get too deep and dark. And then, like, on the other end of the spectrum, well, I mean, I guess on Andy, too, like, some athletes perform really well when they've got an object, like, a, a figure to despise or hate or, like, you know, they build that rivalry up in their mind and that really helps motivate people and, and keep their shit together because they wake up every day and they just they want to beat someone so bad. And I, I guess Andy had Kelly, didn't he? Andy had a lot of people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He, he would just create these conflicts, um, even if you're, like, staying in a room with him. He would just, he'd just switch and just and you just see this, this side of him. He was, like, aggressive and he just wanted to embarrass you. You know, he wanted to walk out and just go, I'm the man, you're nothing. And that's how he competed. And, and uh, you know, you, you have a look at different people. Sonny Garcia was one where you did not want to piss him off because if he went out there angry... Man, he was unstoppable. But, yeah, everyone competes totally different. Fred Patasha was another one. Um, He's a pretty mellow yeah. dude. <laughs> but, yeah, look, some people just like to compete. I remember as a kid I wanted to just go out and just my, – my goal was just to smash people and just, you know, put on performance. But then I had to learn to change that because I didn't have the energy for it like the other guys did. But – um, yeah, everyone everyone has their different ways to compete. And versus someone like Kelly, I mean, uh, you know, Andy might hate you to death. Kelly Kelly's probably more likely to love you to death. Uh, I don't know if that really sounds right, but you know what I mean. <laughs> well, it's funny, you, you know, they 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 all they both talked about how much they absolutely hated each other. And you know, Kelly's I I know he's sat there and he's told people like I used to wake up in the middle of the night just thinking how I could run and punch Andy in the face. <laughs> and, and you know, so he he had a different way of doing it, but he he the old uh, running dog shot, mate. He would have got a start <laughs> in a fucking Coogee Wombat circa two thousand eight. Yeah, he probably wouldn't have lived longer if he did it. Um, but yeah, look, I think everyone just has a different way of competing. Um, Kelly probably, he's probably a little bit more methodical and um, would find your weaknesses and try and expose those. Uh, you know, I remember him talking to a, a kid in as a wildcard at J-Bay and it's like on the rocks and it's like barely as big as the table. And he asked the kid if he was going left on the first wave. And the kid just melted. He's like, what do you mean go left? Like, just, just fucked him. What a cool guy. What's, what's your best competitive headspace, Griff? Where, where do you feel most comfortable? Because you've just come off the back of a big win, mate. And uh, obviously everything was falling into place. What was your sort of, just your heat prep with Tommy before you paddle out? Uh, it was kind of just go with the flow and... Uh, just ride waves. Usually before in the past, I've been one to like try and sit and be super patient. 
But in a place like Portugal, there's a bunch of different peaks, and you kind of had to just like move with the lineup, like Tommy was telling me, kind of like do this one right here. And I was just going with that, so I think uh, that, that's what you got to do. I was going to say, because Tommy, uh, Griff's coach is Tommy Whitaker, former CT surfer, was in the f- a final with you once, Mick? Or? Yeah, in Brazil. In the world title year? Yeah. Um, I thought that Tommy, being a mad Rooster supporter, would just be showing your 1980s rugby league clips, going, this is what you got to do, mate. Just fucking get in there. <laughs> none of that? No, none of that. That really summed up Weird. professional surfing in a, a nutshell, like the strategy and the psychology. Griff just like kind of made a waving gesture of his hand. That's, uh, that was Tommy's advice. Just, that was it. Just do this. <laughs> when you see the waves, do that. What about you, Morgs? Sweet. It's you, easy. Why can't you do that? You seem to be tapping, you know, pure mongrel energy like you wanted to go out and smash people which is uh, a little bit more like mick was talking with some of those other guys is that the energy you're looking for when you want to surf a good heat yeah i think so. is this on yeah yeah i think so um yeah last year i definitely wanted to rip some heads off and uh <laughs> and uh yeah so i'm gonna try to channel that for the next few events and <laughs> where's those rugby league videos tommy <laughs> tommy redonagus Mate, uh, I wouldn't mind talking about mentors too, because you mentioned uh, someone who you know, introduced you to meditation. Like, who have been the, the major figures in your life that have nurtured your rise uh, through the professional surfing ranks? And I'm also interested to know, being from San Clemente, like, fuck, man, that's the home of the, like, kind of drug-fucked pro-surfing maniac when I think, like, your, your, your Christian Fletchers, uh, I mean, Archie, like, all these guys, like... Yeah, there's some loose units from, from down that way, but yet you're very much not like that. Like, who nurtured you through that maze of uh, pro-surfing and degeneracy? Uh, <laughs> well, those, those guys brought a good little component to us too because we can tap into that sometimes when we have to, you know? Yeah! If we got to get pissed, we can go, okay, like, Chris Ward, Archie, like, I can do that, you know? And so... Uh, but I think just watching, like, Kolohe and his dad and, and the Godowskis brothers, like, those guys took it so serious and wanted it so much and did everything they could to make the right moves. And so watching them do that, it made me think, okay, that's how I got to do it. And then I kind of just try and take that and do it my own way. So. And Mick, who did you have, man? Like, who, from an early age, like, who was bringing you up through the ranks, kind of showing you the ropes. Uh, and I, I imagine it would have been multiple people over the stage of your career. Um, yeah, there was a lot, a lot of different people. Um, you know, the, the Aussies that we talked about earlier on. Um, but I, I was lucky. I Probably my, my major mentor was uh, my coach, uh, Phil McNamara. Um, he's like the wisest old soul. Um, and just, yeah, he was someone that didn't matter what the situation, I could just go, mate... I'm doing this or doing that. And he would just go, oh, yeah, I had a story like that back then. He, he's done everything in the world, but you'd never know. But he was uh, yeah, father-like figure f- in a way um, where I could go with him yeah, for anything. And, uh, yeah, he, he would always throw new curveballs at me as well. It's like, maybe try this or maybe try that. And, um, yeah, there was never any off days in training or anything like that where you just – oh, we've got nothing to do today, you're, you're doing really well. There's always something new or something to rehash. And Morgs? Um, Well, I don't know. We just, I kind of like, 
don't really, can't put a finger on like anyone in particular, but um, just coming through the junior ranks, it was like me, Lobby at the back, and then uh, Maddie McGilvray and a couple other boys, and oh, that's Liam O'Brien, by the way. Um, and yeah, we just kind of all just hung out together, and uh, we got Bottle as a coach now, and just kind of thrived off each other and pulled each other in different directions from. Uh, one extreme to the other, whether it's uh, partying or training, and uh, it, it seems to have worked out all, all good for us. Oh, oh sorry, mate. You, were you going to say mentors as well, mate? Oh, I already did. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Fuck, wasn't listening. Uh, mate, I wanted to say, like, as well as mentors, a big part of all your development is sparring partners. Um, and, mate, it never stops. Hey, like your sparring partners just are with you for the, your whole life. And you and Parker are a perfect example of that. Remember years ago when we had Parker on the show, I said to him, I said to Mick, I sent Mick a text. And I was like, hey, have you got any good photos of Parker that I can kind of stitch him up with when he's on stage? And he goes, yeah, I do, actually. I'll send one through. And uh, this is the photo he sent through. Hang on, that's Griff. This one. Uh, <laughs> And uh, I'm not joking, Parko's on stage and he went, fuck, I was looking pretty good that day. <laughs> and then so I said to uh, Parko, hey, uh, have you got any shots of Mick? Because he'll be on stage with us, Asavo, and this is what he sent through. <laughs> <laughs> that's not Mick, that's Eddie Rothman. <laughs> so, mate, I I'll mean... take that. <laughs> I thought uh, you'd take uh, it. That's the best dad bod ever. Well, that's what you look like with a beard. I told you for years, mate. You've got to bro that thing out. Um, <laughs> mate, uh... You know, Joel obviously has played a huge role in, in your success and it, and it keeps going, but how important are those guys? Those, like, you know, they're just... It's like the endless comp, but it makes you lift. Yeah, it's always the endless comp. Um, you know, when your sparring partners are the, the people that you sort of grow up with, you, you turn into brothers in a sense. And, like, even still today, like, doesn't matter what we're doing, if it's just playing ping pong or going for a surf... Um, it's, it's always at level 10 trying to beat each other and embarrass each other. Um, we had a surf trip and it was Dingo, Parker and myself in the lineup and Ryan Hipwood. Hippo said he's never going surfing with all three of us ever again. <laughs> said it was the worst seven hours of his life. Morgs, I know that, um, you know, coming through and having the, the blitz that you had in those two years... But, you know, the, the Newey crew and especially what Jacko Baker's done this year, he must have been chomping at the bit. How much has he played a role in your development? Uh, yeah, he was always way better than me <laughs> when I was coming through. And uh, I think we surfed against each other pretty much in every board riders for about three or four years. And he beat me every single time. And I didn't get him until <laughs> like last year. So, yeah, he's definitely helped push my surfing. And... Um, yeah, all the all the guys in Newcastle. Uh, we got there's a fair few good surfers from there, and uh, just him and Ryan, and just the whole community there that surfs. Um, yeah, it just pushes you every time you paddle out. There's always somebody like as good as you or better than you that just makes you want to beat them. <laughs> and Griff, um, you know you've got your sparring partners on tour, obviously, uh, but also you've got a brother, and you two are just. Fucking mad in big cones, mate. Like, you fucking pack it so hard, the two of you. How important is he uh, in your development? Oh, he's massive in my development. Uh, Look at this shit. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> That's from a few seasons ago too, I think. But, uh, yeah, man. Yeah, Crosby, he's, he's 
wears the same, but he's different. Like, he's real he's, different. Yeah. He's different, huh? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he reminds me more of an Aussie, actually. Uh, likes to get after it, you know, just go out and just send it every time. But uh, it's fun. He's super motivated, and when I'm not motivated, he's motivated, and then that motivates me. So that's kind of what it is. When did you fall in love with Mondo Cones? Uh, I think it was going over to Hawaii so much and hanging out with the Moniz brothers. Seth was always going for it, and I was like, I got, I was super competitive with Seth, so I was always trying to keep up with him. And then we, were, I was going over the falls, was he, he was getting drained. So I'd, I, I'd, uh, uh, yeah, that I just got really comfortable with taking wipeouts and eating shit. So I think that's how. That's the way you got to do it. Yeah, I mean it's a big part of any pro surfer's career. You got to get comfortable in waves of consequence, uh, particularly on the world tour. Places like maxing chops, maxing pipe. Um, I mean, talk to us through, talk us through, <laughs> maxing bells. Yes, it can be fucking pretty psycho. Ask it alone. Um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, like, talk us through those early years. Uh, I'll start with you, Morgs. Like, talk us through, like, trying to make an imprint at Pipe and, uh, and talk us through that event that just transpired and what you were thinking on day one when you rocked up to that. Um, yeah, I was actually pretty excited uh, for the first time in about three or four years. I was actually starting to get a few waves out in the lineup, and, uh, yeah, you definitely, I don't think you can ever make an imprint unless you... Got a last name of Colapinto, <laughs> the old cocktail name. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, those boys go ham out there. And uh, but the the lineup there's it's next level. It's it's so gnarly, and um, kind of feels like you want to get bashed by everyone. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's just yeah, it's hard to um, yeah make an imprint and get the get the nugs. But yeah, this season leading into the event, um, I finally got my hands on a couple out in the just rogue days when there's not too many people out and. Um, yeah, I was coming in feeling really confident into the event and, uh, yeah, yeah, heat's a heat and uh, surfing a heat in 30 minutes out there is a different story and uh, had two kind of thumble heats. So, yeah, always next year, hopefully, if I get back on. <laughs> and Mick, your first few forays into the North Shore, man, like what was that that climate, that environment like uh, for you? Was it a coolie growing, you know, so much like, kind of heavy history, you know, with rabs and that? Like, was it terrifying? Oh, it was so terrifying. I remember the first time I went and I was staying in a house with Rab and it was uh, Dingo Parker, myself, Rasta and, um, and Rab told us, oh, Damon Harvey was there and so Dingo and Damon were a group and then Joel and I were a group and because Rab told us we weren't allowed to go out with more than two people and so each morning we'd flip a coin um, to see who goes to what different break and uh, even like walking past, I remember seeing Ken Bradshaw's name on his letterbox and I was like, shut up, shut up, <laughs> he'll come out and bash us. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's just, it's terrifying and then, you know, as I sort of got a little bit older, um, that's when Red Bull started and we got the Red Bull house and next thing I'm, I'm staying in a house with Andy Irons and then the Wolfpack's coming over every day and just like, I'm like, I, some days I went and just hid in the toilet because I was just terrified. Which is funny because I remember surfing Rocky Point with you on one of your first trips to Hawaii, you were just such a little whippet. I think you might have even still been on Quickie and uh, I saw you, it was like glassy little three foot day and... Um, 
there's this guy paddling for a wave and you just paddle around the inside and just fucking snake him and it's Johnny Boy and I'm just like, ah, what are you doing? And I was like, well, see you later. Mix is going to be uh, a pile of white hair and dust, bone dust on the beach <laughs> after that. But uh, you must have caught him on a good day because he actually paddled out. You paddled back out and he was like, yeah, nice wave, Grant. Yeah, no, he caught me into the next one too. Yeah. It was, uh, I was terrified of him too. Um, I remember having a heat with him at Haleiwa and I was in a heat with uh, Roy Powers and Sean Moody who were local Hawaiians and, and they were sitting probably where the bar is away from him and I was like, well, why are you guys sitting over there and I'm sitting next to him and they're like, don't go anywhere near him and I'm like... <laughs> and then uh, we're getting through the heat and he's like... Hey, Grom, how, lot, how much longer is in the heat? And I was like, oh, oh, oh fuck, I don't know, um, um, five minutes. <laughs> I was so terrified. Five and minutes and 13 seconds. I mean 12, I mean 11. <laughs> that was exactly me. I was so scared. Um, but, yeah, just I think that's, you know, that's all the things that come with Hawaii. It doesn't matter if you're cooking your bacon eggs in your own house. You never feel comfortable. Everyone has a wipeout or a wave that changes their, uh, basically their mojo in Hawaii. What's, what's your one, mate? Oh, I think it was um, probably, oh, probably on that same trip, that first ever trip. Um, I remember paddling out Rocky Point and it was absolutely massive and it was just Parker and, and Taylor Knox paddled out as well. And I remember pulling into a wave and it felt like absolute death i thought death had just shown up and just you know just piled me straight into the reef but that was like oh if that's the worst thing that can happen then just go for it um and yeah look i guess sparring partners you know when you when you're paddling out with andy and bruce it's like well they're they're the golden childs it's like if you can get half a wave as good as them then that's success so um yeah always just trying to impress those guys and Griff, you talked a bit about your relationship with the Moniz family, man. Uh, yeah, like, what kind of a character is Seth and how's he helped you surfing? It's particularly that. Uh, Seth's a classic character. Uh, he's more and more becoming like his dad. Uh, real confident and strong guy. <laughs> uh, but, no, it's, it's been good hanging out with Seth and growing up with him. Uh, just being around that family, they have so much love and they're like, they're like true Hawaiian family with the real aloha that comes with Hawaii. And yeah, just having them and being so close with them, it's always felt for me like even if I were to get in trouble, which I'm never going to try to or get close to, they would have my back. So I think that's helped me a lot with getting waves out there. And uh, yeah, so I have a lot of respect and love for them. See, see. Yeah, man. Well, uh, I guess that's... Uh, like Give them a round of applause, yeah, our guests today. Fucking, it's been real. It's been real. We're gonna, yo, yo, yo. All right, we're gonna throw it over to you guys now. We got Billabong prizes. We've got our all-star panel. And I do want to welcome. Ask us a question. tell you. Hey guys, alright, so we do have our prizes for the best present, Elo, where are you going bro? Where are you off to? He's going to rinse corn, what a legend, he's rinsing his corn! You beauty, alright, 
So we got a graphene wetsuit for the best question. We got some uh, hats and stuff from Billy's for uh, everyone else. So who's got a question for our panel? Who wants to kick it off? All right, what's your name, bro? Griffin, do you feel guilty for taking the first win off Chloe? Good question. Uh, <laughs> Have a hat. Uh, I think everything happens for a reason. And he just had his kid and his attitude's like completely different than it's ever been before. And for me to win at this time was probably the perfect moment for, for me to win and for him to be able to take it and uh, hopefully use that as motivation to get a win soon. Great question. Have a couple cones too, mate. There you go. Okay, how good was that? All right. Who's got a question for the panel? We got them all time up the back here. G'day, mate. What's your name? Nick. Nick. Ha! All right, mate. What's your question? Um, are any of you nervous that we're going to caught you, like, catch you talking shit on the new Apple series? <laughs> Good question. I mean, those microphones are fucking everywhere. They record everything. They probably recorded all your dodgy conversations. Hey! <laughs> uh, good question. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fucking pretty terrifying. Um, <laughs> Mate, you've got nothing to be worried about. You're perfect here. Yeah. You fucking, you're never going to have a slip of the tongue. Right. It's impossible. Uh, uh, those guys, are, uh, they're, they're everywhere. They're here. They're everywhere. I'm mic'd up right now. <laughs> no, Smitty's mic'd. Smith, yeah, Smithy's mic'd. I actually ripped mine out a while ago. I think it actually fell out naturally right before that clangor, weirdly. Uh, no, but, yeah, it's exciting. I don't think, hopefully, they won't ruin our careers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we'll see. No, see, because it's going to look like you ruined your own career when they... Yeah. Yeah, no, no they're, they're all pretty good. And if you just, like, uh, you say something pretty rogue, that you can just say, nah, mate, take it out. And they'll usually take it out for you, or hopefully. You never what's, know. what's the worst thing you've said about someone? Hey, Lee Jacob, uh, don't worry. Yeah. Elo, can I get you up here, mate? Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce Eric Logan from the WSL, who somehow last year pulled off a world tour in COVID land. Who's booing? Who was that? Fuck, mate. Free contest, free tour. Fuck, wake up. All right. Give come the man take a respect. Seat, mate. And a couple of cone pieces. There you go, Elo. All right. Smithy, you got a question for Elo? Mate, I do. Uh, I've got a question for Elo. I understand that the final five trestle showdown is uh, it's going to be relocated. That was part of the deal. You could yep. move it around the world. And uh, my question was, you know, what are you going to go for? Are you, you going to go for kind of your, your classical trestles, cheese, whizzes, or move it to maximum conage? Uh, well, I think, listen, I mean, look, you got Griffin sitting up here right here, San Clemente boy. He didn't make it last year, so we got to do something for him at least. Oh, wow. That's called nepotism, and that yeah, doesn't fly, man. <laughs> <laughs> we already had that convo, remember? Raps uh, getting called out. But who was that? Uh, Slater. Slater. Slater calling him out for his, uh, his co-opting of... Uh, well, but you were asking about somebody had a great question about the Apple series. It's like, the good news is I've seen all seven episodes. I can tell you exactly what Morgan has said. Oh... Do tell. Morgan, would you like to know what you said? Uh, no. Nah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can you tell us whether his, uh, his rib curl contract survives or not? Or? Well, I don't know. Neil's left the company. He's sitting over there right now, Ridgeway. You can ask him, so he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> All right, let's get another question. We got the panel up over here. Hang on, mate. What's your name? Dave. Uh, this one for Mickey Boy. Um, so when Kelly ripped out that 360 air at Bells a few years ago, what the fuck were you thinking after that? Like, how do you how do you attack that after that? 
Uh, yeah, look, that was uh, pretty intense, but I was doing the math in my head before he even landed the thing, and uh, I had him in combo at that point, so I was, uh, I was pretty good. Cop that goat. All right, what's your name? Uh, Carlito, long-time listener. First time caller. Uh, my question, where the fuck is Kelly Slater? That's one for you, Elo. Do we know, mate? Say again? Where is Kelly? Where is the goat? Well, I can confirm. Shh. You cannot deny. The goat has cleared immigration. Whoa! I have a text that he said he was fine. There was uh, sufficient odds that uh, he may or may not go to a private room when he gets to customs in Melbourne. How many gloves? Wow, but he yeah. is here. I hope he doesn't get the Djokovic treatment with the, uh, the electrodes on the nipples and whatnot. That yes, was rough. Fancy treating a tennis star like yes, that. Yes, yes. I can assure you. He's, 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 roaming, he's roaming the Torquay area somewhere as we speak. Wow, all right. Goat you on heard the loose. There's a goat on the yeah. roam. The, goat, the goat's on the loose. few more questions. Who's got one? Anyone, anyone, anyone? Over here, here we go. Josh, um, just wondering, the goat, while we're on the topic, that backspin he did at your party, Griff, is that the best thing that's ever happened on tour? <laughs> the goat doing some old man breakdancing. I reckon it was. Uh. I think we got to get him going again. <laughs> Rev him up. But you know it's an Olympic sport, so that's how he gets in in 24. That's, oh, that's a big reveal. Goatish behaviour. Yeah, he was actually writing me after. He said he wants to take lessons. Great question. <laughs> Have a cone, please. Hey, uh, any other questions? We'll get a couple more. Yeah, well, let's go. Jimmy here. How are you, Groove? Tell us about the old uh, Hawaiian business and then we'll talk Aussie shit. Go, what's this Aloha stuff? Because now you're in talking. <laughs> Do we need a translator for that? You got... <laughs> <laughs> what was that? I got it, I got it. Uh, Some thick <laughs> bogan patwa, that's what it was. Have a cone piece on. Well, <laughs> I got to be careful what I say here, so... Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, the true meaning of aloha is, is welcoming the new people with, with love, I, I guess. That's my version. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's just what the Monizes have been. <laughs> Jimmy's on a heater over Jimmy there. Jimmy is ripping in, mate. Hey, your beer's empty. Why don't you get a new one? <laughs> Yeah. I know what Aloha is. I wrote a limerick about it. I, I think Jimmy's. Aloha, brah. Here's did, the keys to my car. Aloha, brah. Don't take it too far. And so I think, on. Did, I think Jimmy stopped at that motorcycle club in Geelong on the way here, Smithy. Hey, uh, go for it. Yeah, uh, Odie, I'd like to um, get the panel's ideas on uh, the cut while the WSL's in the room. Nice. <clears throat> I'm going to go to the bathroom right now. <laughs> the cut. Mick, uh, what was the lowest you ever finished a year on tour? Um, oh, I think it was 10th or something. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Hopeless. 12th. So 12th. the cut, 
the cut just doesn't mean shit to you. Uh, no, it would have because, um, you know, the, the years that I get injured and stuff like that, um, you know, I guess we, we, we back in, oh, what year was it? I think uh, 2007 or eight or something like that, we had, a, we had a cut and it went from 48 to 32. And same sort of thing, we had five events and, and cut, uh, you know, Ten people off the tour, and, and it was hard. It was hard to make that decision. Um, but yeah, it, it's—I don't know. I, I guess learning from that mistake, I, I personally wouldn't do it. Sorry, Eli, but that's just my thoughts. Um, you know, I think you know you, you see you see people that rookies come on tour and they can't uh, you know really establish themselves they've got five events and they're up against the top top guys to go into it so it, it's extremely hard like uh, unless you had a rookie year like um, Morgan did last year it's going to be tough to make that cut yeah I mean look I mean I, I think Baron would disagree with you uh, this year he seems to be doing fine uh, yeah. so I think he's fine with the cut yeah, um, look, it's it, look. There's always going to be an exception. Uh, so of course, there's always an exception. And it's a, it's a more of a conversation that goes yeah, on. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was interesting about that, but I think the difference, and you're right, is that what Bugsy was saying this morning is that the fact that the Challenger Series is set up the way it is, where we start in a Goldie and then we go to Sydney and we have these world class waves, and the Challenger Series, that was the difference between the cut from when when you're, what mm. you're talking about the versus the cut that it is now. And um, what it does is it bolsters the second tier, and then it actually changes the third tier. And I think the, 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 the change about the cut actually gets down to the regional side. Yeah. And it really it's about the feeder system that goes in. You know, I mean, it's a tough thing to do, but, you know, listen, I always, I always come back to the fact that it's like we get to a place where we're focusing on crowning world champions, like, as you know. Yeah, look, I, I love, like, I was a huge believer in the... Um, you know, Shirts the off and into five. the octagon, boys, I reckon. Shirts off into Let's the octagon. <laughs> Got a question here from Edwina. At the risk of sounding like What's Smivy... That? Another question. At the risk of sounding like Smivy's cougar. Um, to... Not that I, <laughs> no, it's just... And it's a shame that India's not here, but um, what about relationships? Do you guys find having your partners with you distracting or a good thing? How do you find travelling the world? <laughs> good luck with that one, boys. <laughs> I'm going to go to the bar. I like that I'm question. Good. It's very Dr. Phil. Have a couple cone pieces. <laughs> well, I'm on the single train, so I'll leave that one to Morris. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've got a missus. She's at the back there. Um, no, yeah, it's, it's, it's mellow, whatever. It was uh, pretty hard in COVID. It, it was pretty hard in COVID with uh, just the travel restrictions and whatnot. But I think for the most part, when uh, the tour is back to normal, um, yeah, it's easy. They can come with you or, yeah, do, get on their own program if they want to. All right. Smithy, I reckon we'll do one more question, yeah. eh? 100%, mate, if this World Tour career doesn't pan out for you, you've got a career as a diplomat, mate. That was perfect. <laughs> wow. Last question of the night, folks, and then we're going to wrap it. All right, this is for Mick, mate. Do you miss Taj? Oh, talk to Taj all the time. Yeah. What, what? If you could have a heat with Taj, Parko and yourself, how would it go? What's your name, mate? I, I'm Van. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think when he said, do you miss him, it's because Taj has disappeared down a conspiracy wormhole. <laughs> <laughs> He's gone. He's the lost cause. This, this is actually a question for my mate here, Clint. Taj is still the best. Maybe <laughs> we got a couple of... Uh, Hardcore Taj for now, but give him a call and uh, controversial, but you can give him a big warning. His number if you want. <laughs> hey, uh, some nudes. Mick. Uh, sorry, Griff. Someone had to win a graphene wetsuit just then. Do you want to get one more question and just hand it off, or do you want to pick a winner out of all those questions? Uh, let's do one more question. All right, last question, and this person's going to win a wetsuit. So who wants it? Down here. He had his hand up first. Uh, um, if you had to pick one wild card for G-Land, why would it be Clay Marzo? <laughs> well said, oh. three card pieces. <laughs> and that's a wetsuit. That's a beauty. Uh, starting the hashtag already. Oh, that's a scoop. Clay's not reached out for the wild card yet. How many I've, not, I've not heard from Clay 15 times, I promise, so... How many forms do you have to fill in to get a wild card? Is it like I don't know. Sensible? We should talk to Jesse about that. There's like a hundred forms and like triplicates. It's okay. If you could each pick one wild card for G Land, who would it be? And why would it be Tom Carroll? Well, no, their pick. Uh, I, I Did they say Taj? Yeah. Oh. Let it go, boys. Let it go. <laughs> um, oh, you know, it would be an incredible one would be Bruno Santos. He nice. can ride the tube like no one. That, that tiny Brazo midget. He's about, it's, I swear it's an optical illusion. He's like three foot six, man. Everything he looks is. like a stand tall. He is. And his feet are like stuck together. But he's incredible in the cone. Boys, you got a pick for G-Land wildcard? Anyone you uh, want to see? I don't know. I'd probably just bring one of the boys over and whip him in the event and have a sick time, get pitted and drink <laughs> Bintang. <laughs> Grip, you got a question? Yeah, I, mean, I think the wildcard I'd pick for G-Land would be Gabriel Medina. Ooh, nice one. Will he come back? Is he coming back? Any word, Mick? Is he coming back? <laughs> no no word, no official word. All right, folks. Well, that's it for the night. What about a round of applause for the panel? Unbelievable. And... What we like to do at the end of every show, just before we wrap things up, is put the boys down the front and get a big group shot with everyone. So if you want to get in a photo with Mick Morgs, and Griffin, squeeze on in. Up the Alright, thanks very much folks. Have a fucking ripper night. Are you kidding me? I mean, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me, right? Are you kidding me? This guy, are you kidding me? 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 Kidding me? Kidding me? You gotta be kidding me. 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 Oh, you gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. 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 You've got to be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me, right? You gotta be kidding me. What? You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Come on, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Are you kidding me? You kidding me? You kidding me, right? Are you kidding me? You kidding me. You kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me?
kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you fucking 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 kidding me? You have got to be fucking kidding me. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, Swillians, we're all getting reamed big time by the cost of living at the moment. I got a coffee the other day, and it cost me eight reeking bucks. Eight bucks. And it was lukewarm. Dead set, I could have peeled the skin off my skull. I was that bummed about it. Thankfully, there are some crew out there who have got your back in these times when Aussies are doing it tough and every dollar counts. Right now, Circles Life Australia are offering the ultimate flexibility on mobile plans. That's plans for as low as five bucks, cheaper than a cup of coffee. Circles Life Australia are giving customers a genuine choice and will let you pay what you want for a mobile data plan. With no locking contracts, better prices, better technology, and no call centers. Oh, oh don't get me started on those things. Now, you can pay what you want with Circles Life Australia. It honestly couldn't be easier to find a price that suits your circumstances. Visit circles.life forward slash au and switch your number over today. Get onto it, Swillians, and well and truly flip the bird to this rank system that is putting the heel on the back of our necks and pushing down, down into the ground. Get the power back and pay what you want at circles.life forward slash au.